shit. These are real life SVU episodes. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And don't listen if you don't want you fucking prick. Jeez. <laughs> Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. Today we have a guest and her name is Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Hey, Shelly. She's got a crazy story she's going to tell us, and don't be mad, but it's not going to conclude today. Yeah, three-parter. So with that, we're going to do our thing real quick. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we have a website, svupod, especially heinous.com. On there, you can find our Instagram, our Twitter. On both of those, we're at svupod. Our email is svupod at gmail.com. And join our Facebook group. So Shelly. Yeah. What's up? Hey. Uh, I'm Shelly. I'm one of Gabe and Tasha's friends, and they knew that I had a crazy story. So You got a couple of fucking crazy stories. Yeah, I got a lot. Yeah. So I came here today to share one big one that has multiple parts. So there's a lot that ties into it. So this is a story about a rat-faced serial killer named Harvey Glattman. I'm telling this story first because I really want to get him out of the way. I don't Mm -hmm. want this to be about him. Uh, 1927, Harvey Glattman is born in the Bronx. So his parents move back and forth between Boulder and New York a couple times. Nobody really knows why. I don't know where everybody gets their information about Glattman. I know he's been heavily studied, but not everything is cited. So they have these reports of some weird shit he did as a kid and it's not really cited, but I'm telling it anyway. So one of the first things that is cited about his weird sexual deviant behavior is that his mom catches him tying a rope to his penis and tying it to furniture and then thrusting himself backwards so that his penis is like strangled. So not much is known from when he was young to when he's a teenager. I know at one point, uh, his parents came home from something and they found him with this huge like rope burn around his neck looked like he'd been mm. strangled mm. and they were like what the fuck happened and he admitted I hung myself and again they're like hey can you just not do that how old was he do you know I think he was like 12 like oh, 11 okay. or 12 and so they're like yeah like let's not do that anymore and I think they might have even taken him to see a psychiatrist at that time but like nothing was really ever done. But throughout his life, he he has an obsession with rope. So in 1944 and 1945, Glattman is living in Boulder. He's a senior in high school and uh, he starts assaulting women. A lot of the articles talk about him molesting women. But, you know, I, I don't know why that term is used instead of he straight up assaults women. Mm-hmm. So he is breaking into women's houses, again, big on the rope thing, tying them up and groping them. Victims described him as a skinny jug-eared teen with a chipmunk face. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure they meant rat face because if you look him up, dude had a rat face. Like I'm going to look him up right now. You yeah. keep talking. Straight up looks like a rat. Wait, hold on real quick before we go any further. Uh-huh. Uh, when you look up Harvey Glattman, it is really important that you know that you can't look him up without seeing other photographs of things that you oh. might not want to see. So be aware that it's going to be a trigger. I don't care who you are and sure. what you think you've ever seen before, but Glattman is notorious for things that I'm going to talk about and those photos are out on the internet. So, so I'm just going to Google Harvey Glattman mugshot shot yeah let me see his face yeah he's a little rat face Look at his, yeah little rat face <laughs> little rat face bitch <laughs> so he was like really tiny too you guys i think i don't know how tall he was but i know that they put his weight as like 140 like 130 or 140 uh oh my goal weight <laughs> right <laughs> i haven't been that size since fourth grade <laughs> yeah in my bra <laughs> uh, yeah he was a tiny little dude <laughs> in uh, my bra <laughs> 
again, big on the rope thing. So he's tying these women up. He's also robbing them. But I really do think that the robbing was just a secondary motivation. Mm-hmm. The The real motivation behind this was him finding women and tying them up and groping them. So he starts following these women home and breaking into their homes. He ties them up and he does some weird kinky fucking foreplay, but doesn't actually rape them. But then again, you guys, I'm not actually convinced that he wasn't raping women at the time. Right. I just think that in the 50s, it was probably 40s and 50s, such a big deal to be raped and somehow the women were always blamed. The mm-hmm. shame was brought on yeah. them. So and that so, hasn't changed really, but yeah, yeah. So who knows like what really happened to those poor women that had to endure both like having somebody break into their house and tie them up and how terrifying that had to be. Right. Mm-hmm. But then also knowing that by reporting that they were likely mm-hmm. going to be blamed for it somehow. Receiving they... a scarlet letter. Right. So eventually Glattman is arrested for robbing two women and he's jailed until his mommy bails him out. And I'm careful blaming moms for stuff, right? Because I am one and everybody hates it and the mom's always to blame. But this broad always bails him out. And then even later when she makes these comments to the media, she's like, my boy's a good boy. He's just misunderstood. And he's not misunderstood. He's he's a psychopath. So a couple months after being released on bail, Glattman does the same shit again and is arrested again. Like dude just gets caught every time he does something wrong. He can't he can't avoid getting caught for shit. So he's bailed out. This time they send him to a psychiatric hospital for evaluation. Everybody knows he's crazy. Everybody knows this is not normal. There's something fucking wrong with this dude. The psych stay was just an evaluation because right away he's up to the same shit. And of course, he's caught again right away. Like he really is just a master in getting caught. Sounds um, like a fucking moron. He is. And what's funny is that all these reports say like he had a really high IQ and there's nothing <laughs> that he's done that I think indicates that he was smart in any way, shape or form. Hmm. So he pleads guilty to one of the cases and convicted on another at the end of 1945 there were other cases and i they just didn't really act on them so i think oh they're like oh we got him so we just won't prosecute these other cases uh he's sentenced to one to five at the colorado state pen and he starts his stay on december 5th 1945 right before his 18th birthday even as like the super young adult he's already like gotten himself into some fucking shit so he gets released after eight months on a one to five. Thanks, Colorado. And his mom is like, we got to get you a fresh start. So Glattman goes with his mommy to New York. Same shit, different state. Only I think he completely, I think Glattman completely underestimated New Yorkers. So he gets his shit handed to him yeah. by victims there. At one point, Glattman finds a male female couple and ties them up. And then as Glattman is groping the female, the male breaks loose. And here's where the reports differ a little bit, but I'm choosing the one where the male just beats the ever-loving fuck out of yeah. Glattman. Yeah, that's what I'm going for too. Yeah. Same. Glattman uh, actually had to pull a knife to defend himself. He winds up like cutting the guy's shoulder and then running away like a little bitch. So Glattman also robs a nurse on her way home from work using a toy gun. Uh, he tried to tie her up. She resisted and screamed and he was like, oh no, and he ran away. He's just, just really <sighs> awful at everything he does. Just- yeah. I hate him. Yeah, okay. no, for sure. So I am on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> Next, Glattman finds two women in an alleyway and robs them. There are reports that when he saw them, he thought about tying them up and assaulting them, but then remembered like, oh, the last time I tried this, it didn't work out real well. So uh, he just robs them and runs away. All of these people are reporting. So the newspapers are nicknaming him the Phantom Bandit, which I just like, I laughed 
out loud, literally, when I read that. Workshopped that. Yeah, like, (laughs) phantom. Like, he's never tried to hide his identity at all. And he gets caught all the time. So thanks to the fact that he never tries to hide his identity, everybody knows what his rat face looks like. (laughs) Like, there's these descriptions of him. There's drawings of him. Everybody knows. And he's a tiny little man with a rat face so Mm -hmm. people know what to look for so a couple days later cops notice a rat face following a woman on a dark street they're like hey dude what you got in your pockets and he's like cheese (laughs) cheese (laughs) so they find a toy gun a pocket knife and rope of course he doesn't even try to hide he's like yeah guys it's me (laughs) you got me it's me he pulls out a business card that's like harry glickman or whatever the fuck is What's his name? Harvey Glattman. He pulls out a a business card that says, Harvey Glattman, Phantom Bandit. (laughs) All right. He is busted because he confessed right away. New York tries this whole one to five thing that Colorado did and didn't follow through with. And they send him off to Sing Sing. Uh, While he's in Sing Sing, he's evaluated by a psychiatrist who diagnosed him as a psychopathic personality, schizophrenic type with sexually perverted impulses as the basis for his criminality. So, I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I think that the extent of my knowledge is that I've known friends that have schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, being careful knowing that this uh, diagnosis took place in like the 40s and the 50s when mm-hmm. they just diagnosed anybody with anything as schizophrenic. I think there was a lot more to Glattman than schizophrenia. I think there was much more wrong with him. I think he was a sociopath. That's what they diagnose him with. And then right after they diagnose him with that, they're like, no biggie. And they parole him after three years. Uh, what? Okay. They know he's dangerous. They know that like his sexual impulses are just like a, a thing that aren't going to stop, but they still parole him after three years. So he's released into the care of his mommy and he returns to Boulder. Zip um, me up, Harvey. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> picture a very unhealthy relationship there there. is there's something going on you know like there's just and he was like terrified of women so it says that like he's terrified to talk to women he's afraid of them he has no friends he doesn't participate in any activities like he's an og incel yeah 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 his parole requires him to see a psychiatrist which he does finds himself a psychiatrist out in Boulder. He's seeing someone. Blattman works odd jobs and he does actually check in with a parole officer. So he's complying with all the the shit from him committing crimes. Good for you, ass face. (laughs) He's doing something. So then in 1957, he's off paper and he's considered a free man. He's no longer on parole. Between 51 when he was released from Sing Sing and 57 when he's off paper, there aren't any records of him doing anything shady. Now, normally I would say he just didn't get caught, but... That's not his track record. That's not his thing. (laughs) Like, he gets caught for fucking everything. So maybe he got lucky and didn't get caught, but I, I... Or maybe he like switched up how he does crimes. Yeah. Um, There's just, yeah, there's just nothing recorded, um, unfortunately. So maybe he was, maybe he was hiding it well. Maybe he switched it up. I don't know. Also between 51 and 57, his dad dies and his shrink dies during that time too. Okay. I thought maybe his dad was gone way before. And that's why he wasn't mentioned. Yeah. No, his dad like lives in the house. With (gasps) Is his dad still with the mom? Yeah. Oh Oh my my God. God. Like they're together. (laughs) His dad's just like not mentioned in anything, but yeah. Well, no, raising still kids together. is woman's work, so. <laughs> 
So then in 1957, Glattman packs up his shit and he moves to California because why not? Um, He works as a TV repairman and he also starts using a pseudonym... Johnny Glenn is what oh, he uses. You, you ain't no Johnny Glenn. <laughs> he starts hanging out at these camera clubs where dudes could shoot art pictures of naked young models. So we got to talk about this for a minute because <laughs> first of all, I am pro women doing whatever yeah. the fuck they want to do yeah. with yeah. their bodies. And this is the 50s. So the reports on stuff are all going to be kind of shady about these women working at these art clubs and posing naked. But essentially what it is, is it's a, you know, a safe place for women to work as nude models versus just being approached by some rando gross dude and asking to take pictures of you. So these women would work at these clubs that kind of had different studios with different lighting. Dudes could come in if they wanted to pay for a model and then they could take pictures Mm -hmm. of them naked or doing whatever. Also, you have to remember that it was a different time for cameras and photography. It isn't like it is now, obviously, with digital, and it's not like it was previous with film. If you were a photographer, you usually had a dark room. You were actually Mm -hmm. developing your own film, so you could take pictures of people and then really get off to them. So, Mm -hmm. that's why he was going... Like you have your own collection of porn that you shot. Exactly. That nobody else would have seen developing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you develop it yourself. A lot of women that work there were just like the models and sex workers that exist today. They're aspiring stars. They have goals. They're smart. Some of them are very educated. Some of them are just trying to make a living to support their family. Like mm-hmm. they are real humans. And I think we need to respect that and yeah. really make sure that we highlight that and about then, them. So while Glattman's there, he meets a 19-year-old woman named Judy Dahl. Glattman tells Judy he works for a true detective magazine and convinces her to pose for $20 an hour. So again, we, I think as That's... humans all have like this curiosity about crime and Mm -hmm. i think that existed you know way back in the 40s and 50s too yeah there just wasn't the internet and like you know investigation discovery and all the other weird channels that exist now Mm -hmm. so the way that people who had that curiosity got their fix was through these true crime magazines so Mm -hmm. some of them were like just fake stories that were written and then some of them were also like actual true detective stories yeah and so he lies to her and says i work for this true crime magazine and i need you to pose tied up in different scenarios Mm. for this magazine oh that's how we okay so i do also want to say i had a really hard time doing the research on the women in glattman's life because just like now the media focuses on the serial killer they focus on the death of a woman instead of her life and her impact Mm -hmm. on those around her that loved her and especially since these cases are so old it was hard to find information but i really want to make sure that as i tell this next part that we're highlighting who these women were and what their life was like and where they were at and that we see them as real humans mothers sisters daughters yeah Mm -hmm. judy dole agrees to it she's a young mom um she has one i believe son and she's going through a shitty divorce back then husbands could just be like i'm the husband so i do what i want and i take this kid so she is taking on assignments and doing everything she can so that she can raise money to fight for her son she wants an attorney she wants her kid she doesn't want her husband to take her kid away Mm -hmm. So that's where she's at in life when she accepts this assignment from Glattman. Glattman takes her to his apartment and he takes these bondage style photos of her. This is why I said be very careful when you search Glattman's name because these photos are available. They're not just available. They come up if you search his name. Mm. So Glattman rapes her repeatedly throughout the night. And then he tells her he's going to let her go. But he wants to drop her off out in the sticks. He promises to pay her bus fare. 
So he drives her out to the desert and he strangles her with rope. So he takes photographs of her in her apartment. I believe he takes photographs of her out in the desert before he strangles her. And then he also takes photographs of her lifeless body after he's murdered her. Mm. And he leaves her there. That was August 1st, 1957. So he's like escalated. So he has gotten to the point now where he is really taking his fucked up rope fantasies to a new level. He's actually murdering people. So this is March 9th, 1958. So a couple months after that first incident with Judy Dull, he finds another woman named Shirley Ann Bridgeford. She was 24 years old. She was recently divorced. She had two kids and she had joined the Lonely Hearts Club looking for a husband. So she joins this, you know, again, it's the 50s. You're a single mom. You got two kids. You know, you probably don't have an education because back then they were like, girls, college, (laughs) what? No, girls can't read. She needs somebody to take care of her. And so she's Mm. not picky. She just doesn't want somebody like her previous husband. And so when Blatman lies to her and says he's a plumber named George Williams, she was like, all right, like, what can this hurt? I'll go out with this dude. She agrees to a date. He goes to her house to pick her up and he's instantly caught off guard, right? He like, she invites him in and there's shit tons of people in the house. And I don't know if they were her friends or her family, but there's like a ton of people there and so he instantly has to jump into this like I'm actually a boyfriend and I'm a good dude yeah. act where he's like nice to meet you guys the whole time knowing what he's going to do mm. which oh. is the same and again not a smart criminal right like mm. you have a room full of people that have seen you and know you and it doesn't deter you at all from the crime you're going to commit it's like you have a ton of witnesses at that point you'd think you'd be like I'm going to skip yeah I'm I'll not skip gonna this like, yeah. I'll, just, I'll find somebody else to murder you know like something did he do it the same day so he picks her up at that house where there's a ton of people pretends to be that decent human and then he drives her out into the desert rapes her twice in the backseat of his car jesus fuck hog ties her for photographs and then later garroted her to death again taking photos of her hogtied those again also exist on the internet so be very careful wait what what did her to death garroted what's that uh i think it's when you have like a wire I can rope it, and yeah. you like tighten it yeah so she like tells all her friends or family that she's going on a date with this guy he's like hey everybody and then she doesn't come home yep so these these women's families are reporting them missing but again this is the 50s but it was right there but i mean it's also not the same as now where you could look somebody up on social media and be like is this plumber dude real like Mm -hmm. that yeah there's no and plus the names are like is this a real plumber.com yeah (laughs) like george williams he got rid of johnny rockets or whatever the fuck he was trying to go (laughs) by before (laughs) yeah he switches it up each time so and these women are in (laughs) they're all in the southern california area like in between san diego and la that he's meeting them so they're not like in the direct same area but close enough that Mm -hmm. people do end up seeing a trend a couple months after that july 24th glattman picks up well he doesn't pick up but ruth mercado ruth was 24 she'd come to la from new york a few months before with dreams of being an actress so she wants to be like the next marilyn monroe Mm -hmm. and she is posting ads in the paper looking for work as a model. Glattman told her his name this time was Frank Wilson and that he was a photographer. So he sees this ad for her wanting to be a model. He calls her up and he's like, yo, I'm Frank Wilson and 
I'm a photographer and I'll pay you to do photos of you. So when he goes to pick her up this time, instead of just leaving the house with her, he forces his way into her home and rapes her. And then like Shirley and Judy, Glattman strangled Ruth and left her in the desert. And then also like the times before, Glattman photographed her lifeless body. He later said that he didn't want to kill Mercado. He actually really liked her, I think, which just shows how psychotic and fucked up he really was. And he's like, I like this person a little, but not enough to not murder them. Yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely escalating at this point. Like there is a clear progression in his escalation of murdering and how quickly his murders are starting to happen. So that was July. Then in October, Glattman hires a model and uses the name Frank Johnson. When he hired her, when he first called like the location that she worked at, the boss was like, this dude's like real fucking weird. Like you can take this case if you want, but just so you know, like I don't want to take it. Lorraine Vigil needs it. She needs the money. So she takes it and he picks her up and says that he wants to take her to his studio or someplace. But as he starts driving towards the desert, Lorraine senses danger. She's like, like, why the fuck would we be going this far? There's something weird about this dude. So she starts fighting him enough to where he had to pull over. So he pulls over and he's trying to tie her up and she is not letting him. She is Mm -hmm. fighting. So he whips out a gun, real gun, loaded gun, and she fights him, fights him hard for that gun. At one point, it even goes off and it shoots through her dress and grazes her thigh. Oh, my God. Um, But homegirl got that gun. And yeah, yeah, she runs. It's dark out, but she still she gets the fuck out of that car and she runs towards headlights and they just happen to be cops that were driving by. Yeah. So she didn't even realize that she had the gun in her hands when she was running towards the cops. I mean, she was just fighting for her life. So she runs towards these cops. They jump out of the car. Glattman is standing next to the car looking like a crybaby little bitch. And he's just like, you know, wasn't supposed to happen like this. It's not my fault. And they arrest him because they're Um, like, yeah, no, there's something. What's not supposed to happen like this? I don't even know if that's the actual I was quote, supposed but... to actually murder her. Yeah, this he... isn't fair. You guys what... aren't even supposed to be here right now. <laughs> Whatever he says. Mama. Yeah. <laughs> Mama. Uh, my favorite part about the cops questioning Glattman is that they get him back and I imagine them in that old timey baseball announcer voice mm-hmm. in a room I can't do it my husband can do it perfectly but Asha, you can do it I'm sure. <laughs> they're like questioning him and they're like we know that you did this buddy like we you're in big trouble we know that you murdered these girls where are they at you know tell us where they're at and he's like okay well you wouldn't be saying this if you didn't know about my toolbox oh, what God. and they're like sunny boy you're stupid <laughs> toolbox what toolbox yeah we know about the toolbox tell us about it again <laughs> So they go to his house now looking for a fucking toolbox. What a fucking idiot. For sure with cigars. Like they absolutely were smoking. (laughs) So they go find a toolbox full of photos. There's some legit. This guy's a fucking. Yeah. He's He's a freak freak show. Yeah. Just just really, really dumb. He's an idiot. He's a fucking idiot. I can't stress. You hear this guy, Gregory? He's an idiot. can't stress it enough i know that san diego cops were involved and other like agencies around there were involved there was like a huge fight over who got to question him and convict him but so they go to his house they find his toolbox it's full of photos some legit that he had paid women for and not done anything to those women and then obviously they find all the photos that he had taken of his murder victims Mm -hmm. they also find some photographs of women tied up in bondage style photographs they investigate whether or not those women are still 
alive and they are. There are two women that they're unable to identify. He calls one of them Jean and he says he doesn't know the name of the other one. And when asked if those women are still alive, he apparently, this is just in one article, says unless they got run over. But here's the thing, right? He's the dumbest piece of shit on the earth. I think he's probably just dumb being like, maybe they're still alive. I don't know. Maybe they got run over. Like, I don't think that he's actually saying that. I think he's just really stupid. Yeah. Oh. Um. Oh, I felt sorry for him for a quick second. Yeah. Throughout this, there's been oh. a couple times where I feel really icky because a part of me does feel like he sucks so bad at what he does. It makes you feel bad for him. And yeah. then you remember that these are real women that he tortured and murdered and you don't feel bad no. for him anymore. You're an embarrassment to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> His, I just imagine his entire life being so creepy. Yeah. So she visits him. His mom visits Glattman. His mom's like, can you stop doing that like rope dick thing, please? <laughs> she visits him and they have this great description of her leaving the jail where she is tearful on her face and she's wiping her tears away. And she says, he's a good boy. He's just misunderstood and he's sick. And she means sick in the like, he's got an illness, not in the like, he's a sick motherfucker that keeps murdering women. They also do a lie detector test on him to question if there are more murdered women and he passes that. I also think that if there were more murdered victims, he'd fucking say it because he's a fucking idiot because he's an idiot. And also because I almost feel like he was proud of it. You know, like Mm -hmm. the fact that he was taking those photographs. I mean, I know a lot of those photographs were for his own personal gross use, but it was like a weird fuck up art to him these murdered women and so i feel mm-hmm. like he would have admitted it he would have said like yeah and actually these... like he wanted the credit for them mm-hmm. yeah for sure well, so it sounds like it's like not an uncommon thing i think and you have to remember too this is like a time frame when the black dahlia had been murdered there's some gruesome fucked up shit in this area at the same time and the cops were still like this is the worst shit we have ever seen in our life like mm-hmm. looking through mm-hmm. that toolbox of photos they are horrified at what they see Mm -hmm. so he goes to court in court they play his confessions where he's just very matter of fact talking about how and I did like this one the best but I still decided to kill her like he's just very candid and honest about murdering people right um, Mm -hmm. murdering women and so the judge is like and die so they (laughs) sentence him to death (laughs) they did not waste time back in the day there was no like 10 year waiting time frame for anything so he was sentenced to death on December 16th, 1958. And then on uh, September 18th, 1959. So less than a year later, uh, they execute him in the San Quentin uh, gas chamber. So they did not let him hang, (laughs) which I think he probably would have liked based on. So they gas chambered him. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know that they had gas chamber stuff back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was like electric chair across the board. Yeah, they had the gas chamber. I think San Quentin's for some reason was called the green room because I think like the chamber itself may have been green. But on death row, there's a couple articles mentioning that he shared the same cell as uh, the Ramirez dude. Oh, and, Richard Ramirez. Yeah. And some other famous serial killers. So he was in that same prison. So I promise that all of this ties together at some point in this story. Like, I promise that these stories about Glattman and the next couple stories I'm telling you will all come to a point of, oh, holy shit, I get it. But you just got to bear with me as I tell these stories separately, because if I tried to do it 
in some sort of chronological way, there's too many people involved yeah. that you, especially in a podcast, you wouldn't be able to follow it. Like I'm not able to follow it and it's my story. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys, don't be pissed, but we're going to end there. And we are going to pick this up next week with Shelly. You're going to want to come back to hear the rest of this insane story. So see you then. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at SVU Pod. Join our Facebook group and like our page, SVU Pod, on Facebook. Email us at svupod at gmail.com or just go to our website where all of these things are linked. That's svupod, especially heinous.com. Bye. Love you. Bye. He was just hurting <laughs> women. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's not, not a big deal. It doesn't affect us. We're don't do that again. <laughs> His mom's like, he won't. <laughs> for No, for real. I'm not even kidding. His mom yeah. was like, he's a good boy. She like, picked him up with um, like little church lady gloves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a little purse. Come, come, Harvey. It's also just super... <laughs> what will the women's auxiliary think? <laughs> oh,